Welcome to Kilgallen's Pub, the podcast where I, comedian Joe Kilgallen, sit down and have some drinks with comedians and people from all sorts of walks of life, but mostly comedians so far. I think I've had one non-comedian. Um, I'm excited for today's uh, guest, but before I get through all that, uh, you can follow the podcast on Twitter. That's at Kilgallen's Pub. You can follow myself at Joe Kilgallen. Also on Facebook, Instagram, just search my name. I'm on all that jazz. Also, you could uh, subscribe to us on iTunes. Write us a review. It does go a long way there. I'd appreciate that. Also on Stitcher just was, was added to google play uh two of the people have been asking about spotify i don't know i don't know what's going on with spotify it's a weird thing with soundcloud is who i go, get my rss feed from so this is all just boring stuff but anyway i'm working on getting on spotify long story short uh stitcher i think i mentioned i'm on all those so wherever you could you know if you listen on your iphone go through itunes if you've got one of the Android things Go through Google Play or Stitcher or SoundCloud or your mom's house or whatever the hell you got to do. All right. Um, got a fun uh, podcast today. Uh, we're both drinking bourbon whiskey it's called Bullet Bourbon. And uh, it's Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey. Mm-hmm. And uh, so my guest is, uh, he looks like a man who knows his whiskeys. <laughs> today I've got comedian okay. Adam Burke on the podcast. He's drinking in the pub with me. How you doing, my man? I'm doing good, Joe. I'm glad I've, we finally made it happen. I'm glad yeah, you got to man. sit there and watch me stumble through my intro. <laughs> uh, normally, I'm I'm a little bit cleaner, not like cleaner and like more polished. But I think no, dude, it's good. Spotify will throw anyone for a loop, you know? Right? The fucking Them guys, bastards, giving me a fraction of a penny for every stream <laughs> yeah, I get from my album. Sweet fractions is where the it really is a fraction. Is yeah, because I I get the royalty reports for my album every like I don't know every couple of weeks or something like that. And it'll be like 700 streams through Spotify, and then it'll be $6.91. <laughs> and you're like, well, I don't, I don't even want to fuck with yeah, the math on that. Yeah, I think I'm that. on Spotify, but I don't know. I don't know. I don't get any of that information. I think my label would have that information. See, I'm my it. label. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I don't know if that was yeah, a good thing or yeah. a bad thing. The fact my label hasn't mentioned it. It leads me to believe that it's not anything I need to be concerned about. It could be the, the, the case of it because, <laughs> like, I go through TuneCore, and with TuneCore, when you put an album out, anyone out there who wants, who's a musician or comedian, if you're into putting an album out, I do recommend TuneCore. They're great. You do pay an annual fee with them. So it's okay. like forty nine ninety nine a year to keep your album on iTunes, Spotify, right. Amazon, wherever, Pandora. And some people think, oh, that kind of sucks. But I think that's actually better because if you look big picture, the other one is CD Baby. CD Baby mm-hmm. takes 8% forever. So I'd rather the 50 bucks forever because if your album does get crazy big and you're selling a lot and you're making off a lot of royalties, that 50 bucks will be nothing. Yeah, but that 8% right. goes, it's 8% right. if you sell a million bucks or if you sell 10 bucks. That's 8%. Right. So sometimes you're like, well, it's better for me with what I am now. I think you got to think big, baby. You got to think <laughs> this album's going to take off one day. Big baby, not CD baby. No, hell yeah, I might get. Also, they're named CD baby. Exactly. I mean, come on, I don't like it. it. They're affiliated with Host Baby. What were you throwing baby in the things for? Enough <laughs> with, with CDs. The babies. The whole point is that they're not selling fucking CDs. Yeah, right. <laughs> I think they were called with, that way back when, and now that they transfer. Yeah, I'm they, with uh, cassette infant. You know those guys. Oh I'm yeah, with, man. Yeah, wax cylinder fetus. Um, you mentioned this bullet bourbon, man. I do. This is a great little bottle. We were drinking like a pint, and it says like frontier whiskey on it. And I, whenever I see like a bottle of this, it reminds me of watching like westerns with my dad, you know. And I just, we, I don't know what your what kind of films your dad was. But like, my dad loved westerns. Western. What I what always cracked me up about westerns, like you know, there'd be two guys on the trail, you know, they'd be riding through the Monument Valley. And one of them would pull out a bottle of whiskey, and he would like swig it for refreshment. Yeah, <laughs> it always be like, ah! and it's like I remember thinking, wow, whiskey must be like 
the most refreshing, like satisfying. I, I thought it was cool. adult Kool Aid. Yeah, I was it must kid. stay cool in the bag somehow. But like you're in the middle of the desert and you pull out warm whiskey that's been by your horse's flanks for like <laughs> for four days. That's gonna be the most rancid fucking thing you could drink. You're right. Whiskey is not a hot weather it's, drink. No, it's, it's brutal. Correct. I love it. Like in the winter, you know, it's you know, get a nice little warm shot going or or sip it neat. That's fun. Yeah, but. And, and who thinks? Ooh, it's eighty-seven today. <laughs> Let me take. Let's a, go down by the beach with some Jameson. You know. Let like, me take a belt of whiskey, like a full. <laughs> they were tough dudes back then, though. That was the whole. He's gonna put hair on your chest thing. You know. Uh, you what's get? your favorite western of all time? Oh, that's a fucking good question. It's a loaded question. I mean, not loaded, but it's, it's putting you on the <laughs> spot. Um, yeah. Oh man, it's just, I always kind of want to go, want to show off and be weird. Like first one that comes to mind is Searchers, obviously. Classic, oh, great classic, one! Yeah, great, great western. Uh, I like some of the weird ones. Like there's one called The Battle of the Cable, C- Cable Hogue, which is a Sam Peckinpah picture. Okay. Um, there's a great one. It's not really a one. western. There's a great uh, Sam Peckinpah one called Major. I think. See, I always fuck this up. By the way, hearing you say Sam Peckinpah what? warms my heart like whiskey would in the winter. <laughs> Why? I don't know. There's something about the way you say Sam Peckinpah. Say, say, say it again. Sam Peckinpah. Ooh, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> That's nice, man. That's not know. like. I don't know. There's something about. I want. I want to be tucked into bed while you. <laughs> We're gonna yeah, Joe, read some Sam Peckinpah. We're gonna read you Sam Peckinpah's autobiography. Come on, it's a fun name. I yeah, like it, it is. It is a fun name. But he, I think I always fuck up the name of this one. I think it's. I always want to call. It's called Major Glory. I think it's called. It's either called Major Dundee or Major Glory, and it's uh, Char- Charlton Heston, and it's like this crazy western. It's sort of like a more fucked up version of The Searchers, and it's basically he plays like uh, he plays like a Union general. And he does, like, he, they have to get these kidnapped kids, but he puts together a ragtag team of, like, ex-Confederate uh, soldiers. Some misfits. Misfits, so it's like Confederate soldiers that have to team up with, like, emancipated slaves, so there's, like, there's a lot of, you know... So there's a lot of infighting? a lot of tension, and it's, like, it's, it's one of those movies that's, like... N-word said a lot? Huh? A lot of N-word? Uh, probably because back then it was totally I imagine, acceptable. I imagine someone's lets one slip. Sure. Yeah, sure, okay. And it's uh, Richard Harris is in it. Great, and he, I swear to God, he wears eye eye shadow in that for some reason. <laughs> but he's supposed to be like he's supposed to be like a southern fop, you know. Anyway, it's one of those great movies where like apparently there's a lot of tension behind the camera too, and you can kind of feel it a little <laughs> a little bit in All the right. movie. You know, it's a good one. I like that. I it's hard to pick a favorite. Searchers is great, of course. You know, obviously John Wayne is in so many of these. Yeah, I was trying to watch a John Wayne one last night. It, was, it wasn't Western. It was, it, was, uh, it was some other thing. And when John Wayne's not on a horse, man, it's really apparent how, how much that guy couldn't act. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's a movie star. Don't get me yeah, wrong. Yeah, he's a movie star. That's, there is a difference. Right. And I kind of want to get into that topic. I'm glad you brought that up. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll hold that, for, that thought for a second or two here. There's a western that was a, like a mini series called Lonesome Dove. Have you ever okay. seen it? Okay, yeah, I've heard of it though. It's a fantastic. Big deal, right? It was huge. It came out in like 1989. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember. And my being... dad had read the book and loved the book. Larry McMurtry. Yeah. Okay. Isn't it a little scandalous too? Isn't there a little bit of sex? There's yeah, a little bit. Is it sort of adult for 89? It was a little adult for 89. I was. I mean, I don't know. If there would be too much sex in it, really. Maybe, maybe just for my yeah. Maybe, but the uh, the cast was fantastic. It was okay. an amazing cast. You had Tommy Lee Jones, oh, Robert wow. Duvall, uh, a young Diane Lane. This sounds great. It was really good. Dan, uh, 
I was going to say Donald Glover because, but it's Danny Glover. <laughs> no, Childish Gambino was not in <laughs> Lonesome Dove, but it's a fantastic movie. And um, I don't want to give anything away, but I highly recommend anyone watch it. But it is a mini series, so I think it was on Netflix for a little bit. So it's like six one-hour episodes. But I remember my dad had the VHS where it was like part two. Now put it in the second tape <laughs> like as a kid watching it with him. But it, it's a pretty, it's a pretty fantastic movie. Um, they play uh, Texas Rangers who decide to take a. Uh, cattle up to montana they want to be the first to graze uh, montana it's not a, it's very there's a lot of native american cowboy indian stuff and then there's all these different storylines that weave together yeah. at different points which makes it really cool the basic plot of any western i suppose you could say this of any film but the basic plot of any western is always very it's always a very simple task and like that's just transportation that's just meat they're just meat couriers at yeah, that point basically <laughs> but you got to survive they're taking a huge herd and there's a couple irishmen in it who steal the movie they find a couple Irishmen who come over. Yeah. This is like, I think it takes place in like the 1880s. Right. When Irish people were still a, a dodgy proposition, right? Yeah. They were like, sure. oh, we got a couple Irishmen here, you know? <laughs> and yeah, they weren't, they didn't realize they were fun. There wasn't a whole campaign behind leprechauns and lucky charms, you know? No, they were just like. The alcoholism wasn't shift. cute. No, they were just shifty. So Adam Burke, if you listening picked up on some of an accent, you've got a great joke about your accent. Oh, thanks. You were born in Australia. Yeah. But you lived there just as a child for what, a couple Blink months? Blink of an eye, yeah, yeah, yeah. When did you move to Northern Ireland? When we were like, so I had to hear all these stories because I just went back for vacation and I had to hear all these stories about like what a annoying fucking baby I was because I came over, apparently 11 months old, came over, stayed with relatives in the north, which is like uh, Armagh, if people know, like the right in the border of Armagh and County Down. And so um, moved there as a kid and lived there to the age of 10. Uh, and then we moved to then we moved to London, and then when I was when I was twenty three, I moved to America. So I've been here. And what city in America did you settle in? Uh, I, well, I started off in Dallas. Dallas, I love that. Yeah. It's so funny when I first moved to Chicago. I tell people they were like, "Where were you before this?" And I'd be like, "Dallas." And they acted, they would act like I just got back from a war zone. They were just like, "Dallas, Jesus." And I was like, "I was like, yeah." I mean, it's not great. But you come up. I think Dallas is a little surprising because. You, you've been on NPR's Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me several <laughs> right. times. You're regular on that. Yeah. And if I had never met you in my entire life and someone said, that guy's been on NPR, I'd be like, oh, of course he has. Look at him. <laughs> I would. And I don't mean that. I, no, no, I get negative. that. I get that from a lot of people. So to see that, like, you know, a guy like you who dresses very well and you even joke about how you have like this, prefer, uh, I can't say that word, professorial. <laughs> yeah, yeah, God, yeah, yeah. Some words today, you know. <laughs> I've been doing that all day long, messing up words, which is not good for a podcast host. <laughs> You have that look about you, so you don't really equate that to yeah. Dallas, Texas. Not that there's not intellectuals in Dallas. I'm sure there are. So I don't think I always looked like that, but I think I got a little bit groomed because I was married in Dallas. That's why I was down there. Married in know? Dallas. Yeah. Nice. Sounds so, like a novel. <laughs> married in Dallas. <laughs> it's like a really disappointing sequel to Lonesome Dove. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> they got as far as Dallas and said, no, this is good enough. Because Lonesome Dove's a town that was on the border of Mexico and Texas. Oh, really? Yeah, That's right along the Rio. For a town. Lonesome I mean, Dove, right? I, I'll say this for America, man. You get town names pretty right. You get some like crazy, awesome town names. Larry Bird, famous NBA player, is from French Lick. Is the name of oh, the town. French, French Lick, Indiana. Yeah. They call him the Hick from French Lick, <laughs> which I always thought was very funny. Yeah, that sounds like an old Henry story or something. The Hick from French Lick. Yeah, right. <laughs> so you went to uh, real quick though. You were your parents lived in Australia, but they were originally from Northern Ireland as well. Yeah, my mom's from the north, and my dad's from Mayo in the west. Where do you think you've got? Yes, I've got real, I've got family that came from Mayo, mm-hmm. uh, Westport uh, was the name of the town. Yeah, and and near Swinford too, I believe. But so they, so your your dad, why'd they go to Australia? 
Uh, that's where the work was, really. Oh, okay. I didn't know I was that they were criminals, or you know, I'm just that old thing. <laughs> well, when did the penal colony stop? Well, um, I, for those of you who don't know, England used to send their criminals to Australia. Yeah. That's how it started, yeah. which is hilarious because coming from England, Australia is such a paradise. <laughs> right, right. Like I've never been to either. I've been to yeah. Ireland, but England is rainy. It's dreary. You know, that's yeah. why they probably have such great music and 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 drinking. <laughs> Same with Ireland, you know. There's a lot right. of culture that I th- feel like places that are have rain can have yeah. good music. Yeah, that's true. What's Seattle? The big, what's the big Australian band? Excess, ACDC. Oh yeah, ACDC. They're pretty bad. great. They're pretty good. Um, I, I, but yeah, there's not a whole lot though. You someone know? told me they hated ACDC, and I didn't know what to say to them. I don't know how you could hate them. I could, I could see if you're like, oh, they're overplayed or, or their fans annoyed me. But I feel like they're universally liked. It's ACDC. You know what's, good about, you know what's good about ACDC? That if you don't like them, there's no entry point. There's no, there's no one. Oh, well, if you don't like yeah, Thunderstruck, then they have this album of ballads that yeah. you like. It's like, like oh, you don't like that one song? Well, they all the rest sound exactly the same. Like those are Ramones. Like the Ramones <laughs> right, in that way. Right, you know what exactly. I mean? I remember being at a barbecue once and there was a Ramones song on, and halfway into it, someone skipped it. And I was like, hey, asshole, the song was done in 30 seconds. You don't skip a Ramones. They're all two minutes and 45 seconds. You think what that are you was doing? The, the reasoning behind it? I don't know why they skipped the track, but I wasn't the only one that felt that way. Everyone else was like, yeah. Never skip a Ramon hey, song. We're the Ramones. We're not great, but we're not going to be here for long. You know, yeah, I mean? hey, like, no, it's going to be over. Make Relax. it quick. Yeah. You know, give it to you with some energy. <laughs> I like the Ramones a lot. Fun band. Uh, you and I were talking music recently. I'm kind of bouncing around here a little bit. Let's get back to the family thing. Then I want to go to the music okay. because you and I had a great conversation at Galway Bay Pub about some music stuff. And I talked music last week on the podcast with uh, Xavier Lamont and Kyle Scanlon, which again, listeners, you could go back and listen to all 10 episodes that have been released. They all stand alone. They have nothing to do with current events or anything like that. They're just yeah, fun you're bar conversations. One, just go ahead. And <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm, you know, after you listen to this one, of course, I like that. Uh, so they went there for the work and then came back when you were 11 months old, went to London, I guess, for the work as well. Yeah. 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 I, yeah. For, yeah. It's, you know, <laughs> Here's the thing. A lot of stories like I'm only hearing now, too. You know what I mean? I had a very eye-opening conversation with my uncle. Yeah, because you were recently there. So I'm kind of glad I'm getting you fresh off your trip yeah. to Ireland. You brought yeah. the girlfriend there. Yeah. Did she love it? Yeah, we actually, she actually did. I mean, Ireland. Was her first time there? Yeah. It's nuts. Because I had been back since, um, you know, since I was a kid. You it's know? been 10 years for me since I've gone. Yeah, so like uh, my memories of where I grew up was like, you know, there was still like occupation, there was still like British soldiers everywhere, you know, and you didn't really have a lot of freedom of movement. And also, you know, I'm like nine, so I didn't get to see much. Are you Catholic? Yeah. You are, yeah. yeah, yeah I was yeah. 99% sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that is Thank like, God, because if you weren't, you could bounce your ass right out of this podcast. I have a joke about how, like, how you know, people people would say people assume that I'm Protestant because I'm from the north. They're like, "Oh, I thought you were Protestant." I'm like, "Well, we have both." Yeah, that's kind that's of the, the <laughs> yeah, that's what the whole tension was the about. Problem came from, but so my cousin was driving me around like these, like basically he drove me up on this hill, and this was kind of crazy because. He drove me up on this hill, and you could basically see everywhere I lived as a kid, you know what I mean, in this one vantage point. Oh, wow. And it's just beautiful. It's just gorgeous. And I was like, I had no idea that we lived in, like, this postcard. And my brother's like, yeah, you're 10. You don't give a shit. Yeah, it's true. And plus, when you grow up in it, you don't appreciate it. No. I've told people growing up in Chicago, I didn't appreciate a lot that it has to offer. Mm. I saw someone on Facebook the other day say... Oh, it's rainy, and I got friends from out of town. What cool touristy things could we do that are indoors? And people were listing all these cool things where I'm like, 
Okay, I've been to all those places, but when I was on a second grade field trip. Right, right. You know, once when right. you live somewhere, you're not like, oh, we're going to go to the museum yeah. this weekend. You just, because you're, you're part of it, you don't appreciate it. I moved to LA for three and a half years, came back, and last summer we were definitely Chicagoing it up, as I was telling people. I went right. on a boat tour. Yeah. I was doing all these things where I'm like, I kind of knew it. And I remember one time saying something before the tour guide did, and someone kind of <laughs> gave me a look, and I'm like, I'm not. I, I whispered it to my wife. Don't, why are you turning around and looking at me, dickhead? <laughs> didn't grab you know? the mic. Exactly right. I didn't go. Ah, you're wrong about that, pal. <laughs> that is the thing, though. I kind of do like that. Apparently, that's a very you know common phenomenon where you don't really appreciate what you have. You know why you're in it. But also, I remember like you know being maybe like twelve or thirteen, and I never got the notion of looking at the scenery. I remember, you know what I mean? Your parents would stop and they go, oh, geez, isn't it gorgeous? I look at that view. And I remember being a kid, you know, because as a kid, you're like, you know, especially in the 80s, you just get TV and toys and bullshit. The 80s were very colorful, head. too. Bad but, neon colors, right? Pink yeah, and yeah, yellows. Yeah. The 80s were very coked up. But people yes. people forget how, like, just intense the 80s were, like, in pop culture. So, like, I was, like, all, you know, jacked up on sugar and fucking... I mean, 80s... Uh, um, Entertainment for kids was very militarized. I think you're like GI Joe and all this shit. You Even know the I mean? Smurfs were militarized. <laughs> Better get in line. Papa Smurf doesn't doesn't fuck around. You know what I mean? Yeah, there was very well. I mean, they had to protect their borders. Yes, I mean? <laughs> like a, a weird monk. <laughs> but um, yeah, and they were all one color. You know what I mean? They didn't like anyone else. No, <laughs> you ever saw any green Smurfs popping around? No. You know what they did to them? That's no. almost like a very uh, Hitlerian cartoon there. <laughs> right. So they, but. Uh, yeah, but I just remember them stopped and stopped and looking at the view. And I remember tr- trying to look at the view hard. Like, what am I missing? Like, it's just, as far as I can see, it's just fucking mountains and fields, whatever. And now I went back and I was like, couldn't take my eyes off. I was like, holy shit. Man. Did Danny Boy start playing in your yeah, head? Back? A little bit, a little bit. <laughs> you started There's to hear a, a fife. Of, you know, I was fi- trying to find a lot of bluffs. Yeah. You, know, like, you know, like a little little ridge to stand oh, it's not it's nothing like standing on a ridge. Yeah. <laughs> like you got good hair that blows in the wind too. <laughs> My hair does not blow in the wind at all. No, no, it's still thick enough where it just it doesn't move. <laughs> That's what you want. You want to kind of survey, you know. Yeah, you want to stand up on a take your shirt off. <laughs> you like you just worked hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I'm picturing like a Braveheart type scene where you undo the top part of the kilt. Because in Braveheart, they got a lot of kilts that were like overalls, like they kind of like a satchel, <laughs> yeah, a yeah. sash that comes over. I like that. That was like the complete white trash uniform back then. It was like a guy in a kilt. Look at this fucking asshole. And to, yeah. to this day, a form of flannel is your white trash uniform. <laughs> we have not come far in, since 1200 AD. I love seeing a guy now that goes out and buys a kilt. You know, we'll go out, you know, go and you know, buy a kilt. Like, because, uh, you know, I do a lot of Irish festivals and stuff. We both Yeah, do, we're right? both doing an uh, Irish fest again this year in Chicago. Are we? At the Irish. <laughs> Didn't I text you about that? <laughs> oh, maybe. I'm 99% sure I did. <laughs> well, you heard you're, it. You're working too hard. <laughs> July 7th, that's a Saturday night in Chicago, Illinois. Oh, awesome. Yes. Sounds great. Yeah, it'll be a good time. <laughs> but you go to those places, and there's always a guy, and I'm sorry if you're this guy. We do appreciate. We all, I understand your business is what keeps those festivals afloat, and it keeps me and Joe in, in free beer. But, like, there's always a guy. He's a bit portly. He's got, like, no ha- hair on the top of his head. He's got a beard. And, like, he'll go, and he'll drop, like, 120 bucks on the on the family tartan, and he'll buy a kilt. And what I like about that guy is that he'll wear that to every fucking event where he thinks it's even slightly <laughs> relevant. He'll I think a- they're expensive. <laughs> yeah, they are. They definitely are. There was a guy wearing a kilt at a community you should know 
Snow show uh, a couple weeks ago. I remember even someone said, I'm going to fucking kill it. <laughs> it makes sense as wardrobe, though, because you get to air it out a little bit. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. it's probably freeing. There's probably no musty kilt, right? Because you're always essentially hanging it up. Yeah. You don't, yeah, it's not like something you just, you don't take off your kilt and just kick it into the corner of your room. <laughs> you take some pride in that kilt. You wear it well. But yeah, they'll wear it at an Irish festival and then a Scottish festival and then there'll be like a Ren Fair or something. It'll be like a Highlands like, Fest. They'll be yeah. like, yeah, they'll definitely get it and going. And by the time you get to the Taste of Chicago or something, you're like, all right, you know what? You want 86 the kilt? Yeah, man. <laughs> you kind of ran into the ground a little bit there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, people are eating chicken wings here. You don't need a, it's not exactly oh. native Scottish fare. Although, handy napkin. Ah, that would be point. hilarious to take the kilt from the bottom, <laughs> lift it up so everyone can see your, your, your junk. You know what I mean? You, I would, if I had a kilt, I'd go completely traditional. I would not wear boxers oh, underneath you would? it. Yeah, let, yeah. The, let the balls and dick hang, you know? that's People say boxers are good for your sperm count. A kilt with just, just a kilt? Yeah. Amazing for your sperm count, I bet. That's probably why you know the 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 English try to outlaw them. You know they probably try to ban them because you know all these fertile Celts are just multiplying too much. Fucking just free balling it and dicking yeah, everything inside. That's, yeah. I think you're onto something with that, man. Because <laughs> free balling it really is amazing for your sperm count. And then you look at the British outfit; it's all those tight fucking pantaloons and shit. You know what I mean? They've got a single. They're very uptight. The Brits. English sperm makes its way out once every nine months. What movie was it? There was a movie, you were a movie buff. Maybe I want to say it was Sid and Nancy. No, maybe it wasn't that. Some movie in the 80s where they don't have sex in London. They think it's ugly. That was the line. I remember that line sticking me because I remember it being That's hilarious. A line. It's a great line, and it kind of does sum up some English people mm-hmm. in a way. Mm-hmm. And I've got some English friends who are great. I mean, obviously, being Irish, you like to you know go yeah. back and forth and uh, bust each other's balls easy, and shit like easy that. To, yeah. They well, win, I mean, though. They, they win. I would bust the English's balls if they weren't already busted from all those terrible tight pants. There. Yeah, man. What is that about? But they... Um, there's a line, no sex, please. We're we're British. There's like a there's a it's a stereotype about the English is that they're prudish. Yeah, they are. You yeah. know, I, I get a little annoyed though because there's a lot of Americans who will like you know they're still obsessed with British culture, and I know there's a, the same Americans. A lot of our liberal friends who go on and on about American imperialism that I know are, are fond of British culture. I'm like, where the fuck do you think we got that from? <laughs> right, right. That's, that's the one thing we held on to right. from our colony days of, oh, let's just go in that other country and fuck shit up and take it. <laughs> like, that's... The, yeah. the, the old expression was the sun never set on the British Empire. Right, right. They owned 25% of the world, it was mm-hmm. estimated at one point. So I, I don't get the love affair. I know they've gotten a lot better lately, and it's like, well, they have universal health care, so we're cool with them now. I mean, I don't get that. It's a great line from uh, Churchill's... Uh, oh, is it for? I think Churchill said. I don't know if it's in the book he wrote or if or he said it somewhere else. But he says uh, England has always flourished greatest under the scepter of a queen, which is kind of which is kind of sort of a feminist thing for him to say. But it's kind of true. Like between the greatest moments of expansion in English history were British history were like under Queen Elizabeth the first and under Queen Victoria. Oh, see, I misinterpreted that as you first said. As you first said it, I thought under the scepter of a queen, meaning that the queens were less likely to go to war, therefore things at home got better. Oh, no. Where the kings were having pissing contests. That is funny to me, though, when you read British history. I was reading, again, this is the Churchill book I've been trying to get through for the past fucking five years. He he wrote this this really, really long, in-depth history of um, the English-speaking peoples, he calls it. But it is funny, like, you'll read some of these old kings, you know, and nowadays you see you know you see a historical film about a king he's always like 
defending his land from invaders and all the rest of it. Yeah. But like that whole King Henry V thing, he just went, I, I like that part of France. Fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. they make it seem like... Brittany looks nice. Let's go over there. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, totally. Exactly. And they make it seem like, oh, we're defending England. It's like, you're not in England. You're in fucking Calais. Yeah. <laughs> Get the fuck out. And you wouldn't have a problem. Yeah, there definitely was a dickishness to that. But it is amazing that in movies and, and call, we just saw it with the royal wedding. Everyone, I, I say I don't talk about current events, but I just brought up the royal wedding. But it's it's amazing that people are like all into that. I understand some people are like, oh, we're just into the pageantry of it the same yeah. way when we watch the Oscars red carpet. I'm like, yeah, that's fine and all that. And the royal family really doesn't do shit other than just being rich as hell and yeah. having influence on things, I guess. But I, I don't know. There's just that was part of that where I'm like, how are we still... It's funny that if you know, you're a history, with that culture. If you're a history buff too, right, you can ruin anything, right? Because you know, someone could look at it and go, Well, I'm just look I'm just watching because I like the dresses and I like the outfits. Is it, yeah, well that color, you know, that color of dye, that pigment, they wouldn't have got if they hadn't fucked over the Chinese. <laughs> like like yeah. there's, there's there's nothing there's nothing that like colonialism doesn't have like a filthy little hand in, you know what I mean? Totally. Like, like the outfits, you know what I mean? Like some of those outfits are like are like half Prussian. You know, like those fucking braids of Prussian. They went to war with Prussia for a while. Yeah, and so then they some took of a little. little notes are fucking Indian. And well, you could shit. you could help me on this. Uh, what's up, Dale? Hey, Dale McPeak just walked by. Great comedian. I said your last name right, Dale McPeak. You're welcome. I said it wrong one time. I <laughs> what think. What did you say? I think I said McPeak. Like if it was like Amanda McPeak, that actress. Oh, okay. I said it wrong once. I feel like a dick because people fuck up my last name all the time. So I get where he's coming from. <laughs> Anyhow, um, so with. So Megan Gailey, who's been on the, I was actually trying to podcast with her. She was in town briefly in Chicago. I've mentioned her a few times on the podcast. The way I've mentioned Danny Kels has never been on the podcast. You know, you mentioned your good friends because yeah. you have stories that involve these people that are funny. You're like, oh, yeah. I was with this person one time. Gailey's Anyhow, very funny. Yeah. Um, I only say that on podcasts. When I'm with her in person, I tell her she sucks. <laughs> mm-hmm. You got to be that friend that brings her down a little bit. But we went, uh, we had lunch and we went to this great place on the northwest side of Chicago. It's more for catering, but they have a deli too attached to it. It's called Harrington's. And uh, so it's great, great, Irish, great corned beef. You know, they got all sorts of great Irish uh, food, bangers and mash, you know, all the works. And uh, we, we had uh, chips and curry, French fries and curry. Sure. And Megan was asking, why is curry so big with Irish people? And I go, well, it's big with British people too. Yeah. Did you have, did you, was that big when you were growing of up course. there? I'm yeah, trying to yeah, think. yeah. And that yeah. all comes from colonizing India. Of course. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So it's, it is funny to me that you're right. They took a little bit from, you take, I've, a, cult, a cultural appropriation has come up a few times on this podcast where a lot of the claims of it I, I call complete bullshit on. Because <laughs> some of the claims are bullshit. It's just, it's, it's bored people on the internet looking to get angry. Well, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, you know sure, what I mean? Sure, yeah, yeah. Like, I, I, I've used this example several times. Sorry for listeners for being redundant, but Katy Perry dressed like a geisha for something, and white women were upset about it. The country of Japan was like, no, it's great. She's no, representing right, We right, like right. they had no yeah. problem whatsoever. So there's other people being angry for other people. So that stuff pisses me off a little bit. It's it's annoying. But um, you mentioned being a history buff, and I remember you had a joke. I think it was the first time you did it where you talked about Teddy Roosevelt. Yeah. And I think you were off by one year. And for some reason, I, I remember going <laughs> in my brain being like, do I tell him he's off by one year? I'm like, yeah. I think Adam would be cool with it. Other people might be like, oh, fuck you, dickhead. It's one well, year. No, I get you know? corrected a lot. It's totally fine. Do you? Yeah, I do. And it's totally fine. And the people are right. I used to have a joke I used to all the time about the, the, um, uh, the what do you call it, Independence Day. You know, and uh, uh, America is the only uh, country that celebrates the start of a war. And uh, <laughs> and Lebo was like, I'm sure lots of other countries, their Independence Day is was just named 
declaring independence and not achieving it. And uh, for, and you know what? That's the one time I kind of got like I was I got kind of petulant about it. Yeah, it's a little fucking ah. But I love Lee Bar. I saw him last week. But, but yeah, I go got ahead. like I. But I was gonna uptight. But ultimately, he's right. And also, you know, I don't do the joke anymore, so it's fine. But it's like well, I hope he didn't crush the bit. Huh? He's correcting you didn't crush the bit though, right? Well, I'd be the bit was long in the tooth anyway. All right, well, that's fair it. enough. Yeah. That's fair enough. But uh, but no, I didn't. I I don't mind it. You know? It's always interesting what bits comedians stop doing and for what reason. Yeah, yeah. You know, I read this great interview with Bill Bird today. I didn't read the whole thing. It went on forever. And it was kind of like he talked about something. This interview just came out today in print on some website, maybe vulture.com or something. I can't remember which one. And he talked about punching up and punching down. Because someone, he, like the interviewer brought up, isn't that punching down? He goes, I fucking hate that expression. <laughs> the people who say it usually aren't funny and they're usually, you know, but he went down this whole, you know, Bill Burr style thing. I think there is, you know, there are instances where punching up and punching down for those of you who aren't in the stamp comedy world they call punching down when you make fun of kind of like the people who are lower on the rung of society right because you know those are the people who are trying to like point out injustices and to make fun of them is kind of punching down right so like i remember when i first got aware of that i was talking about a comedian who makes fun of christianity no i don't care i'm not religious so right. i don't care what religion you make fun of but in my brain and this is what i kind of want to talk about with you because I don't know if you know this, but I kind of looked at you. You've mentored me in a few ways. Oh, See, I know you gave really? me a look like, really? What the fuck? <laughs> I'm going to bring that up. Not in any ways where I was seeking counsel, but in a couple ways where you just kind of like. So just unsolicited advice. Uh, well, <laughs> I get, well, not unsolicited because we're friends and hanging out. So I don't, want you, I don't want you to think in your own head. I was like pulling him aside going, this is what you need to realize, <laughs> young man. No, it wasn't, that, it wasn't shit like that. But almost in a way where it's like. I remind you of someone, and you were like, I've seen this behavior before. Oh, right, right. I'm a little older than you. Let me wise me up. Because I'm about bit. 10 years older than you in, in regular years, but we're the same age comedy wise. Yeah, we are, because we started. Yeah. Yeah, I remember yeah, seeing yeah. you at Cork Lounge. Yeah. I think we were maybe a week or two apart. I really yeah. feel like it was right around that same time. I thought you'd been doing it for years. I thought you'd, be, I thought you'd been doing it way longer. Well, that's funny, because I think when I met you, I was 21 and I turned 22 like a week later. Yeah. I, I, I remember starting 21 and turning 22. Within a week or two. You always had, like, you were one of the guys that had, like, the greatest work ethic, I think. Oh, thank you. Because you would, you would just, you would just run through material. Like, just, I don't mean run through it, but, like, generate so much fucking material and good material all the time. And I think that was, like, you know, it's really, especially when you first start doing comedy, you need to have someone like that. I have an obsessive personality. And I, I joke saying that if you're friends with me, I'm very easy to shop for because the things I like, I'm obsessed with. Oh, right, and with right. stand-up comedy, in terms of generating material, I, I became obsessed wow. with the idea. I got, I was excited, I, and I still feel that way today, which I, is why I, I, I still love stand-up. Now, I don't think I, I don't attack the open mic scene as much as I used to because, quite frankly, I don't need to. Right. Not to be not that if you're a young comic listening, which I know I do. Have some comedians who listen, open mics are still very important. I still go to them. Yeah. Um, but, but it's different. It's, it's different. not the same. It's not the same. And what's nice is like when you know you have a good piece of material, I think, all right, I could bust down the middle of a set. We're, but we're recording this in the, at the Laugh Factory studio, and we're both going up tonight. Yeah. And I'm going up like in an hour or so, so this will probably be one of our tighter podcasts. <laughs> and uh, I'll, I'll probably squeeze a new bit that I've been thinking about in the right. middle there because right. I, I know I could recover. Where yeah. when you're starting out, you're like, well, they're – you know, they booked me and I want them to keep booking me, so right. I'm going to give them my A shit. You know? And you're also writing material and you're also learning how to do, like, you're, you know what I mean? You're, you're, you're building a chair and you're not a carpenter. Yeah. You know what I mean? No, that's a good, it's a good way to describe you're, it. You're still, you know what I mean? You're still, so, like, 
you know, your the design of the chair might be great. That might be a great chair you designed, but you can't nail it for shit. Yeah. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Yeah. So the chair... The, it puts some muscle into it. Right, right. The chair looks, you know, crappier maybe than, than, than it should. And the chair's not going to support shit. <laughs> right, right. It's like right, a chair, but right. don't... You cannot support yourself. Most comedians would fucking crush that chair. <laughs> We're the thinner ones. Uh, okay, now I totally forgot my train of thought because you complimented me and I'm so goddamn vain. It went to my head where I'm like, you know what? Thank you, Adam. No, so... Um, you were talking about I gave you some piece of advice when we first started. You did, and I, I wanted to mention that, but I also wanted to get your opinion on, um, uh, you know, we're talking about the history thing, yeah, and this need to correct. And well, I was talking about punching up and punching down specifically right. a little bit there, where I don't like that term that much either. And I was actually talking about this with someone recently because I have a joke, and in the joke, I make fun of men and women. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And someone was like, "Well, the w- women are the punchline in that, and isn't that punching down?" And my whole thing is, I go. Here's why I don't like that term right now because people think making fun of straight white men, who you know we're the dominant, we're you know, yeah. and, and I'm fine with that. Make fun of us all you want, yeah. I, you know. Uh, there's a there was some comedian who got a lot of shit on Twitter because he said straight white male is the new N word, <laughs> which I think he was totally misguided as how he said that and yeah. way the way the right. fuck off base, right? Because uh, I I, wouldn't, I wanted to tweet back. I still maybe I should still tweet this out where I was going to say one of the best parts of being about being a straight white male is that we can't be offended like i i kind of <laughs> like the idea that there's not right. there's not really a word that's going to make me go what the fuck right one time someone called me an irish piece of shit with a lot of anger behind it yeah. when i was like younger and it was a friend of mine and i remember going like i didn't fucking care for that but <laughs> but even, that was the worst i could think of yeah and it was still i'm american but it was my ethnic my heritage thrown in with the words pieces of shit which is nothing <laughs> it's nothing right. Right. you know compared to what other groups have to go through Anyhow, though, in regards to punching up, punching down, if I if I think comedians think that making fun of straight white males is punching up, I think they're out of their fucking mind. Right. It, I mean, technically it is, but to me, that's so easy, it's boring. Right. And here's what I wanted to say about this. When making fun of religion was that there, I look for consistency. I'm a big fan. I, I think... I, I'm a big believer in trying to be as consistent as I possibly can. Mm-hmm. And because of that, I will upset friends that agree with me on 90% of things right? because I'll call them on the 10% and then they get very upset about that, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's just kind of the way our culture has been these days. But I remember there was a comedian who was making fun of Christianity and I remember going, why don't you make fun of Muslims? Because their, their religion's crazy. All the religions are crazy. Yeah. Every one of them. So why not make fun of them all? And he's just like, because Muslims get enough shit right now culturally and I feel like that's punching down. So in that regard, I remember being like, all right, sure. Although in my brain, it's a lot braver if you could pull that joke off and, and do it. Right. Go for it. Right. Like I just, I just like consistency. Make fun of all sides of it. Um, and I brought to bring this up to you because I have always liked your viewpoints. I feel like you, you put some thought into things. You don't. Well, I think it's like I think it's relative, right? Like because it's like you know, if you make fun of Christianity, if you make fun of. Um, uh, you know, everyone's like, fuck Christianity, fuck fuck them all, they all suck. So, all right, yeah, I mean, a bishop that hides a priest, you know, who, you know. Who's molesting who, who kids? Molesting yeah, kids. of course, And, and the fact, the whole, I mean, the one word thing is the Vatican. Like, <laughs> that's like, I mean, people make fun of Trump for his extravagance. Well, where do you think? He got it for, he just looked to Rome. I know, they're supposed <laughs> to take a fucking, that's why I like, everyone likes this new Pope, Pope Frankie. Yeah. Is that, it's supposed to be like a vow of poverty. If you Pope Frankie, he would be way hey, more hey, popular. Hey, Pope Frankie. Should be at Pope Frankie. 
Frankie Deuce. Like, I don't know. Give Frankie. him like a name. I don't know. Is he Frank the Second? I don't know why I threw the Deuce in there. I kind of like that. Yeah, though. Frankie Deuce. Yeah, Frankie Tough Nuts. Like, yeah. you kind of got to throw like an Italian, like, uh, New York, Chicago Frankie type. Frankie Shoes. Yeah, something Frankie like Frankie the Fish. Frankie Two Shoes. Right? <laughs> you ever hear those, some of those nicknames where you're yeah. like, everyone has two shoes. What the yeah. fuck does that mean? I always liked that there was someone there with oh, Tommy Tough Nuts over here. Frankie the Hat. Yeah, Frankie the Ham, uh, Mike the, the Fish. Hat. No, the hat. Oh, the hat, because yeah. the pointy yeah. hat. Yeah, ah, Frankie the Hat. Hey, I like I, that. It's all right. I'll sort it out. I'll go talk to Frankie the Hat. Yeah, I'll go talk to the hat. <laughs> now, that's the thing. He he said, too, you know, he, uh, he had a thing where he goes, um, he, apparently he talked to her like a gay guy, and uh, he was like, you know, you know, you shouldn't feel ashamed the way you are. God God made you this way, and God loves you the this way, so that's wow. the thing. so that's the thing. It's a major breakthrough. That's great. So now this guy, this guy repeated it. the other way. Yeah, this guy said he said it to me, and he repeated it. So now, of course, the Vatican is like, um, we got to have a conference. You know what I mean? It's the Vatican. But the thing is, what I would say with Christianity, right? There's like Christianity with a big C. But if you think, if you make fun of some, you know, Hispanic woman who puts out her fucking candles you know what i mean and looks after literally looks after you know elderly people in her neighborhood and does it because she has a devout belief in jesus and you make fun of this stupid bitch and you think that's punching up like you yeah know, you're a piece of shit you know no, what I, mean? I agree yeah it's like that's it, i think it's all fucking relative it's like of course i can make fun of muslim people because there's some muslim people who are fucking pieces of shit yes because all people are pieces of shit like the fucking people, that's where the consistency i look for is yeah but it's people like look look if you if you say that like um you know surrounding yourself with the kids from the local school because that's going to make you know that's going to make collateral damage for when you know a foreign country bombs you, and that you know if you think that's got anything to do with Islam, then you're you know you're a piece. Of sh- you know what I mean? Yes, it's, yeah, it's like yeah. The whole thing. But obviously, I think we're just stating stuff. But I think yeah, what you're saying is the thing is this whole punching up and punching down thing. That's meant as a f- all this shit is meant as a guideline. I, this is what what I think. This is just me personally. But I think all that stuff is meant as a guideline to help you write. And work with your best instincts. That's all this stuff is. It's like, it's just stuff to remember. Like, if you have a bit, you know, that isn't working or you're not sure about it, you could say something like to yourself, yeah, but I punch it. What I always say is, and something I kind of learned from working with the onion a little bit, is like the onion's very big on what's the target? Is this the right target? Because when you miss the target, the audience will go with you. And they'll kind of know. You know what I mean? What are you really trying to say? And have you are you aiming at the right target? That's all I think. That's stuff. great for satire. I exactly. Think. And yeah. I think for jokes, too. I, okay. I, mean, I always go, whenever I'm writing stuff with people, I, I it seems really simple. But I always go, what's the point? Like, what do you, yeah. you, know, you know what I mean? No, I definitely think there needs to be a point. But to your, to, to your point, this notion of that someone sitting back and they see something you're doing in broad strokes and go, that, that's wrong because you're punching down. And it's like, again, you're taking a guy, you're taking something that's meant as a creative aid for us. You know what I mean? It's, it's supposed to make us think smarter about our joke. And you're just applying it as, no. Nope, you've done that. You know what I mean? There's a laziness involved in it. There's right. never noticed that. There's certain buzzwords and phrases that I see people use in arguments. I hear this one a lot. That's a straw man theory. 
Right. And a lot of times it's not a straw man theory, but that's like the new buzz way of saying it. You're <laughs> gaslighting. You're that, you know what I mean? They got the yeah, little something, phrase, something hits that they have to fucking jam in yeah, there, yeah. you know? And that's why I just can't stand. I'm a big believer in consistency. That's why I feel the need to correct people. And I really wish I didn't sometimes cause no one loves you for that. I had it. Um, oh, let me talk on the religion thing one more time. What kills me about all religions is, you know, bring up consistency. I like this new pope because, and again, there are, you, neither of you are religious, or, or neither of us are religious, but there are definitely people who are religious that I do have respect for because mm-hmm. they, they actually do good work. And then there are people who are super religious that I can't fucking stand because right. their hypocrisy is unbelievable bullshit. Like, I remember this one person I know, there's a few people I saw do this, which was, was annoying that I even had to see it because, you know, Facebook is with their algorithm. They'll show you shit that intentionally pisses you off <laughs> uh, just to get a rise yeah. out of you. Facebook is like that fucking dickhead kid you knew who would do something and go, it was fucking him, man. He's the one that tapped you on the shoulder like an asshole. And you're like, what? Fuck you, dude. And really, it was that piece of shit named Tommy, Tommy Tough Nuts. And he wrote something about being against gay marriage after uh, the Supreme Court re- repealed it, you know? And I and I, I commented going, cause, no, he said he was against gay marriage because the Bible's against it. And I wrote, oh, that's really brave of you to admit that you're a virgin. <laughs> and he was like, what the fuck are you talking about? And then I was just like, well, you're not married. So, right. so clearly you're a virgin, right? Because you do what the Bible tells you to do. Right. And then right away, and I remember getting fucking, everyone was liking the shit out of my comments, stuff like that. So I kind of felt, mm-hmm. which is, you know, the same bullshit you get from social media. I fell a part of where it's like you get the likes and the like is an instant dopamine rush where you're like, oh, look at me. You know, and then you get obsessed where yeah. you, you go, you have dinner with someone and then you go on your phone to check to see if you got any more likes. <laughs> That's what fucking drives me nuts yeah, and where yeah, I've yeah. gotten way. I, I, if you're listening, work on not doing that. Yeah, and it, no, it is a drug, and you do get like you get addicted to like that approbation of like, oh, I did something again on both sides. It makes oh yeah, both like sides do. Something. Yeah, whether you're right or left or wherever the hell you. Yeah, are. like you've like you've made a difference. You, I know, which you have not. You yeah, made a yeah. couple of people smile for half a right, second, right. and no one's really changed. And, and no, I'm whatever. The same way. I, I just wish people were a little bit more consistent in their views. Like, if that guy came back with, I am a virgin, is there a problem with that? I'd have been like, oh, shit, you got me, dude. Well, I'll say yeah, this. Kudos I, to you for being consistent. I'm less, I don't need people to be consistent. <laughs> I need, because I think well, that. Well, we're, we're fallible. I get that. Yeah. Well, because you, you, know, you know, you want people to be able to change their mind if it's if it's the right thing. True. And I also think looking for consistency is, it's one thing I really like about people is that, what we're really good at is talking ourselves into and out of anything. And I do think it's really, I think it's what makes us really funny. Yeah. Uh, you know, as beings is that we, you know, ours is always a special case. Sure. Yeah. Comedians yeah. are, human beings are hilarious yeah. as a thing and we are a shit show. So with the punching up and punching down thing, you're right. What is the point, which I think is a big part of your jokes. I always try to have a point. Like with the joke I did get accused of punching down with, I make fun of men and women, and I go, my point was to try to bring people together. I wanted to shine a light on the bullshit that we both do in hopes that a group of men and women watching a show will laugh. Right, right, you know? right. And then if you're not a straight person, you're thinking, God damn, I'm glad I'm not part of this bullshit. <laughs> so the joke's for everybody in that sense. Also, again, that's so, the funny thing about like comedy. Too. Our goals are very low, too. Because yeah. sometimes people go, what are you trying to say? It's like, not that much. Yeah, we're, I'm not fucking right. <laughs> yeah, like in Bill, the Bill Burr interview, we talked about where it's like everyone's do, up there, people take what you're saying as legislation, where it's like, <laughs> no, it's not yeah. that way. Yeah. And and I and he, I agree with you there. I I was I didn't agree with Bill 100% on some of the stuff he said. I, I did like where he was coming from where basically he thinks comedy 
should you know when the people are like you can't go there no you sh- you can go there but yeah. it has to be funny you know and what I mean? And, and, if, the, and if you're, if, uh, he was basically saying, obviously, if it's so offensive that 90% of the population has a problem with what you're saying, well, then it's not funny. Right, right. So that was kind of where he was going with people. Because right. there are some people who are saying, like, nope, don't even go that way. Now, what I was doing with the joke, I'll talk about the joke. I actually played it on a podcast, episode four at the end. I think it was episode three or four with the one with Meredith Catchell and Kyle Scanlon, because we talked about that bit specifically, because I was still working that out. It was off the Aziz Ansari story. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You've told me about I've this. i told one. you about yeah, the yeah, bit, right, right? right? And now I do the bit where I don't reference Aziz. I just right. reference dating right now, and here's right. the complaints I get from my female friends, and here's how the male guys could get better. But then, hey, females, this is where yeah, you yeah. could. So I kind of give shit to both sides, you know? And the joke has been working a lot better since. But when I first started telling the joke, you know, a handful of times the first week, I, I ran it like six out of seven nights in a row. As soon as I brought up, I go, you guys know that Aziz and Zari story? Because it was fresh in the news. So I was able to just use right. that as my jumping off point. There were people in the crowd who literally would go, no. I remember someone, I've had women, I had women in particular, which I get it, because it's, I, you know, this is not knocking them for, you know, me too. This is a strong movement, and there's a lot of good that's coming from it. A lot of great coming from it. You're, you're shining a light on scumbag pieces of shit who should be fucking out right. of positions of power. And they would come up to me, and this is what made the joke so satisfying, where I knew I was on the right track. <laughs> These women would come up to me and say, right when you started the joke, I was like, no. And I, I was hating everything you were saying at the beginning. But then when you were hitting the punchlines, I was like, oh my God, this is hilarious. Right, right. And I was like, well, thank you. That's what I like. But then I also later would think, why was it the topic should never turn you off? It should be the content of the topic. No, obviously, if I went up there saying, like, let's talk about the N-word, and I'm saying the N-word, of course people are, have the right to be like, whoa, dude, Jesus Christ, I don't want to hear anything more yeah, than what you're saying. You can't. Also, it's asking a lot of audiences to go like... Also, look, Adam, is it asking a lot for them to be (laughs) fucking perfect? I don't think so. (laughs) Look, man, as a straight white male, if I start talking about something and someone thinks I'm going to have a certain straight white male take on it, like, I can't really fault them for that. You know what I mean? Because that's like going, like, I've never looked at, you know, yeah, I've made assumptions about the way someone thinks about something. So, you know... The fact that they're looking at you and they're like, I'm probably not going to like this. I can't fault them for it. You know, that's fair, actually. I didn't think of it that way. I used to think of it because I'd see comedians. remember doing a show at a bar where there's a super fucking hipster crowd. And comedians who normally kill for those crowds were eating shit because as they were bringing up a subject, the audience would immediately turn them off. I'm like, why are you turning them off? That You should be listening because you're going to like what they're going to say. It's like if a guy... If, if that pissed me off, you honestly, know what I mean? If, a, if, if there's a black comedian up there and he starts to be, here's the thing about the N-word, and a white comedian goes, here's the thing about the N-word, like, I'm going to brace myself on the latter. I get that. No, I totally <laughs> you know get that. You know what I'm that. saying? I get that, but there's definitely, there's a closed-mindedness to the fact that, I mean, that, the N-word's the most extreme example you could always use with stuff, but there's definitely a closed-mindedness, I feel like, from people who, you know, wave that liberal flag high where when someone just starts to talk about a subject that might be race-related or whatever the hot-button issues are of the day... But I also think that's what you want to be doing, though. You want people to... You want to... Even if people close the door on you, you want to be able to, like, work it open again. Yeah, I want to flip the switch. You're right. So maybe maybe my problem is that I just want them to get on board a little bit sooner, but then I get them there and it's satisfying. I don't know. I have a bit that I do... I I just don't like the pattern I'm seeing from... I don't think it's a huge problem at all. I really don't. Uh, but I do think there are two trains of thoughts when people talk about PC. 
I, have a bit I don't th- want the audiences to get PC. The comics could watch what they say a little yeah. bit here there because they should be pushing for a higher standard, right? The only I thing know. I the, the only thing I get the only problem I would have I have no problem with someone being offended by a joke. I have no problem with someone being offended by me. I think what well, I have no problem with that. The only time I get a little annoyed, or again, what the way it kind of keeps me honest is when someone goes, well, I do a bit and they go. I didn't. I didn't care for that bit. Or like, um, um, when you wrote that bit, you didn't think about this. Now, sometimes that is true, but most times, or a lot of times, that's not true. I'm like, no, I did think about that, and I did the joke anyway, and I tried to write the joke in a way that took that into account. You know yeah. what I mean? Where it's like, the joke is written in a very specific way, and I anticipated. That that's an issue, you know what I mean? It's just the notion. Look, you might not like the, the choices I ultimately made, and that's fine. But the claim that I didn't think about it, like, is to not know how long it takes to write a joke. Yeah, you know what I mean? Because if I'm doing it at a show show, it's I've been working on it for about two months. Sure, yeah. And so I have thought about it because it's come up. Or, that's more or, insulting. The fact that they think you're just going up there and not giving a shit. Again, I'm not that insulted, but yeah. it's, but it's it's where, I, and then. Like to your point too, like real quick, I have a bit that I do at the moment, uh, and it's not—I don't think it's necessarily a controversial bit. It's a bit—it's a bit of a wordy bit, but it's. It, you have a wordy bit? Yeah. No way. No way. <laughs> Adam, by the way, has the greatest vocabulary of all time. <laughs> I feel like I also—I also get words. How do you have such a strong vocabulary? Was it just something? Was that important in your family, or was it something yeah, that you developed not, over it's time? Not really strong. I will say I do misuse words a lot because sometimes I just like the sound of a word, and I'll just like use. And it by wrong, the way, right? nobody's confident enough to question you. Yeah, yeah, yeah that is true. No, but, it's true. I mean, yeah. there's been times where I'm listening to you, and I'm like, <laughs> I have no idea what the fuck he just said, and I've tried to expand. I bought a vocabulary book that. I was reading on a plane to try to expand my vocabulary a little bit there mm. and every now and then i'm able to go oh that word i remember that word <laughs> fuck yeah but for the i remember i lost the book like after like a week so my I was sister pissed. used to tell a story that apparently she caught me like in bed one night like reading the dictionary by by like flashlight by flashlight <laughs> <laughs> but um i think i think i always uh i don't know i don't, know I don't mean to is. cut you off but you, no, you're no, talking about fine. this new bit you're doing it's very wordy so it's not like controversial even though. if i'm doing well it is kind of controversial so the 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 the, the the theme of the joke is just, um, it's about fake news. And the theme is, you know, the news, um, you know, obviously the news isn't fake. News is real. But the news isn't the truth. That's just the premise of the joke. So even if I'm doing well, um, if I get to that point and I say the news isn't the truth, that will stop the whole my whole momentum. And I kind of really like that. Because that's a deep fucking sentence, man. <laughs> As you said that, I remember like, this is a like, like people have equations going off in their brain if they're letting that process. Right, so it is. Why, it, the it, new, how is the news not the truth? <laughs> right. I, 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 could, I could understand that. Yeah. I've had a line or two where, as I say it, I go, what the fuck, audience? <laughs> we, were, we were holding hands, skipping in a meadow together. Now you can't you couldn't but get I farther away from me. But I don't mind it. And I, and I kind of like because I, I know where I'm going. And I, now it doesn't always work, and it will not. It's it's definitely a bit that's not for every audience. I don't think. I like that you said that. But <laughs> no, I do because I think more comedians than you need to know that. Sure, that you can't make everyone happy. Like the bit I was talking about before, someone was like, "I don't like it." After hearing, I remember going around the room talking to people because I wanted a female opinion, and a bunch of female comedians like, "I like that. I like it." No, I think it's a cool joke where it's going. You might want to change that line. And then the fourth woman was just like, 
not a fan. And I remember going, that's fine. Yeah. I have jokes forever, yeah, yeah, but I don't yeah. give a shit. Like <laughs> the fact that I said I don't give a shit, that made it seem like I was defensive. But I really don't give a shit right. though. Right. I asked these women because I wanted to hear because I think it's good to soak yourself in opinions that aren't your own mm -hmm. because then maybe I can make the joke better right. or then maybe I could be like, good point or then I'll be like, fuck you. I, I say listen to everyone's advice. You don't have to take it though. No, right? of course not, no. Well, because, again, because if we, like, <laughs> a statement that takes everyone's opinion into account can never be a joke. You know what I mean? Yes. That's a fucking motto that you come up for a schoolroom. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like that, is like, that is like the motto of like a community college. But it's a, a joke relies on a singular opinion. It has to be. Yeah. People have to be a little... Up I mean, that's the whole point. They have to be a little upset, a little surprised, and a little bit thrown off by the thing that you say. Yeah, the whole idea is it's... An es it's yeah. There, there has to be because if you see it coming it's not funny right and I'm okay with the comics that definitely come out of left field with somewhere you're like oh shit Ooh, is that okay like I'm fine with that I'm just worried that comedians are getting overanalyzed which is what Burr was talking about a little bit with some of this stuff where out of nowhere it became not quite out of nowhere I definitely you saw the writing on the wall for a few years there where and I think a lot of this is comedians own doing they kind of act we're all self-important fucking assholes. Sure. I remember seeing a thing for a festival that said the funniest and smartest comedians. I remember going <laughs> like, who gives a fuck if a comedian's smart? <laughs> yeah. Right? Right, right? That's comedians right. care. Yeah. Because comedians want to be like, I'm not just funny. I'm also smart. Right. Because we're all insecure fucking idiots. Yeah. Um, I my, think myself included with having insecurity with your own intelligence. But it was always funny to me. I remember reading that just being like, audience just, just want to know if you're funny. Yeah. And then it became a thing where it's like, no. I'm, and, and because of our own doing, we've morphed into this. I think comedian activist has almost become redundant. Every yeah, fucking yeah. comedian on Twitter is like this, yeah, we gotta... And it got to the point where I see comedians, I'll fucking name them, because I, I still like the guy a lot. <laughs> Kumail. Kumail, I think, is an amazingly talented person, wrote a great movie, good actor, uh, awesome comedian. I, I, I know him fairly well. I haven't seen him in a long time. you know. But when I started out, he was a comic. He was very kind and good to me in Chicago. Yeah, yeah same here. You're right? Great guy. Not knocking him. His Twitter presence is annoying as shit to me, though. <laughs> it is, because he'll just write something like, Donald Trump is terrible. <laughs> Four million retweets. Oh, my God. You're saying what we're thinking, and we love you for it. And I remember just being like, dude, you could say that and be funny at the same time. I'm not saying I have any, any problem with your with yeah, that opinion, right. that's a fucking very valid opinion, right? right? Make and it a joke, can, and if evident, yeah, make a joke out of it. Yeah, and and take I, time out of the nineteen television series that you're currently. Yeah, on. exactly. <laughs> well, or don't make that tweet because yeah, it's yeah, fucking yeah. obvious, and you're. Yeah. It's like what I talked about earlier in the podcast, where when I made that fucking witty comment on someone else's post, and my <laughs> comment was getting all the likes, and I kept checking in, going, "Ooh, how many more now?" Because I like, yeah, yeah, I'm feeling my dick, girl. This feels great. It's the same thing with him. Don't, don't, I feel like I hold comedians to a higher standard, not for speaking a truth or philosophical bullshit, because there are comedians who are silly, who speak nonsense, who I love, yeah. and then there are comedians who are, are 
shining a light on society and then the comedians who just are personal and on it whatever if every comedian was the same it'd be boring as hell yeah that's why i don't like a lot of these themed stand-up comedy shows where it's like this show is blah 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 i'm like stand-up comedy if it's booked right is variety unto itself yes i agree with you and i also the whole the whole notion of smart comedy like you know we've talked it's about a this jerk before. off thing well i get because i get pegged to a lot of people like you're a smart comedy comedy and all the rest of it and like i you know i'm not really I'm not crazy about that, but but it's also I'm not gonna look as you know too to get pegged as anything is nice, you know. Yeah, hey, whatever great thing you want to say about me, <laughs> fucking say it, but say I, it loud. But I always say, you know, and some people will be like, some people will say like, oh, you worried? Like, some people will say like, oh, I can't believe you used that word in that one bit. Um, how do people even? How, you think these people understand that? And I'm like, that is the most bigoted fucking thing you could say. Yeah, because like. Hundreds of times these like, people. What do you mean by these yeah, no, people? But also huh? that, but like hardworking th- Americans. Damn it! No, <laughs> Thousands of times a day, you hear a fucking word that you've never heard before. We know no one knew what the fucking Bitcoin was, you know, two years ago. We figured it out. Like you figured out from context clues. You look. I'm 42. I don't understand fucking slang. I figured out from or a urban dictionary. Well, context figured, clues. Yeah. Yeah. I figured. Yeah. You just kind of fleek means something. Oh, that, that expression died down quickly. <laughs> yeah. and thank God that was a bad one. But like if something's lit. You get the idea, lit, fire, hot, yeah, hot, but right, it's good. short circuit like a robot because like one word in the sentence. And like the notion people go, I can't look. Cause There's I, a I laziness said, to that. With the, the only thing do that. I figured out was like if you're going to use like a $5 word, it just can't be the last thing in the joke. I would agree. I would, yeah, you're right. Yeah, because, okay. Cause it's, cause because it's, then, yeah, it gets lost on them. I understand what you're yeah. saying there. But I also like the idea that you're not going to change because I've, I've caught, there's been a few times where even I've had the thought that people you were just saying have, where I remember going, you know, if he just used this other word, that joke would probably hit harder. And then I had, I watched, I was a big fan of the show The West Wing, which is on Netflix, everyone. And he, they talked about, they're forming a speech and someone was saying, I have a problem with this word. People don't know what it means. And everyone else was like, it means this. And then they're like, yeah, I know what it means, but regular people don't, right. and you're going to make them feel stupid and all this. And then the president walked in the room as they're having this argument, and he goes, well, they could look it up. <laughs> it's not our job to lower the bar. It's not our job to appeal to the least common denominator. If you want to be the educational president, let's show that I have an education. I'm fine <laughs> with that. And I, was, I remember wow. going like, fuck, I like that. I like people who own what they are, and I feel like you own what you are. You give me a compliment earlier, I'm giving you a compliment now. <laughs> um, I do want to shift to some fun shit, though, in a sec. But if you had anything to add to that, go ahead. I feel like you wanted to add something. No, the other thing, yeah, so I I try to make it. Uh, uh, what what were we saying? Oh, um, blah 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 blah. Yeah. So this whole notion of like you know people don't understand. Also, the notion of smart comedy I think is bullshit because there's a comic that we know, like one of the smartest comedians I think working in Chicago is a guy called Joe McMahon. Yeah, it was on the very first podcast we've done. And a lot of people super smart, so smart. And but people would watch his act and go, well, he's just this big dumb broad southern kind of thing but people who write jokes know how clever the jokes are yes, we know how much work clever. goes into it how he's how he's doing it like the uh, the concision he uses and the precision he's like setting himself up and the way uh, he, like it's so smart even his crowd work i've noticed he has an exit strategy yeah it's he, so yeah he definitely smart. but it's like no one will go oh, well let's put him on the intellectual no, but, because but he, they see a guy wearing like a dolphin's hat, and he looks like a guy who drinks cheap beer and it gets a little sloppy. Right, but he's probably yeah, more well read than you know. Definitely, definitely. That, no, yeah. he will. If you have a conversation with that dude, you'll definitely be like, mm-hmm. "Oh shit, yeah, man." He'll open your eyes to things. A very bright guy. That he was on the very first podcast and was fantastic. So I don't mind those labels, but I oh, on the other hand, I think they're complete bollocks. I think it's all like it's not really descriptive of what's actually going on. 
And it's not. Everyone's just obsessed with labeling each other, and there's really shit we could do about it for now. Yeah. But that's the point of this podcast. We're going to solve all the world's problems. <laughs> little by little, we're going to get there. That's what you do in a bar, right? Right, man. That's what I say. I tell people, I go, that's what I like about... The whole idea behind the podcast was to recreate the bar conversation. I've got a few friends of mine who are recovering alcoholics. who are like, I'd love to do the podcast, but I'm not going to drink. I'm like, yeah, you don't have to. Yeah. If you could go to a bar and have a good conversation, that's all I'm looking for from people. That is one thing. I'm not I've, trying to promote alcoholism. I just know I have fun drinking. That's one thing I've it's noticed, too. Like, like I, have a certain, like, I have a certain abhorrence and love for like those bars now, those dive bars you go to were like... like all right, I'm not gonna. I don't. On the one hand, I don't want to sign off on the fucking dumb, bigoted shit that the guy's saying. But the other hand, like sometimes you go to a bar and you'll see like people who are just won't are afraid to have an honest conversation yeah. or like speak their mind because they know that like it's gonna be on Twitter like dumb shit I heard this week. You know, yeah, you overheard know? at this bar. Yeah, yeah. Oh god, those Can people! I can't that? stand those fucking <laughs> people. You know why? Because I think a lot of it's made up. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I, I, I don't. You don't know. Shit I overheard while riding the blue line train. This guy said right. this guy and then that guy. I hate the fake dialogue. Yeah. Me, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Customer, blah, blah, blah. Because it's like, <laughs> are, are you writing fantasy in your head? I don't know how true it is. And it's, it's I don't know. It just it seems like bullshit to me. And, and just too many people doing it that I don't like. You and I do definitely appreciate. Well, I appreciate the guy at the bar. You're right. There's the guy where you're like, man, he's saying some horrible shit. But there is, maybe this was part of Trump's appeal that regular people did not see coming. Was that he was, you definitely, all right, this guy's saying terrible shit, but maybe, all right, I could, I could get on board with that. Right. Because we forget that a lot of people think terrible shit. But even if they didn't think in line with that, there was something about the willingness to be able to say it. And you're right. You're, there are people now at bars who are unwilling. And I, I've had that where, like I mentioned earlier, I'm like, I'll say, I'll agree with someone 90%, but I'll say the 10% because I kind of want to be like, no, I don't the, fucking agree with you there. The greatest. And people time, look at you like, what? You're disagreeing with me? Yeah. That's not what we do anymore. Right. The greatest time to go to a Chicago dive bar is about seven o'clock. About night? seven. Yeah, about seven o'clock. Why, why would I ask that? But Chicago, though, it could be seven a.m. Because <laughs> that's the guys. Um, that's the mixture of the guys who have one on the way home. Yeah. So they're older guys, and they're guys who who got there at four. It's the guy you want to be in the bar. Now again, like if you, I'm not signing off on any of the particular. Yeah, opinions. we're not agreeing with their fucking. No, but if you want to see guys just fucking like people just settling into their because they'll they're always going to be watching Jeopardy. Yes. And they're always going to. And what is weird is. We, I don't know why it's so fucking rare to hear someone, but I think it is becoming increasingly rare to guy who just says, "You see this," and he just says a headline, and then you know what I mean. They'll just say something like they literally just read off the cover of like the Sun a Cliff Clavin and Cheers. Yeah, they'll I, I missed that guy it. in a way. No, and it's great. And but again, those guys will surprise you because I was in a bar. I took you to the car up one time. Yeah, fun place. Seven o'clock, right? I'm having a pint Guinness. Um, this is a couple of years ago. So TV comes on, uh, Michelle Obama comes up, you know, and uh, here we go. One old guy goes, and look at this fucking bitch. And there's a pause. And another guy right down, you know, like person's length down the bar from looks exactly like him. He goes, yeah, what'd she ever do to you? Nice. I like her. <laughs> and then the first guy's almost surprised that he just doesn't get like, 
carte blanche fucking misogynist racism and yeah. Goes, yeah and they have this the real fucking goes, ah, I don't trust her she fucking no man she's cause she's from Chicago she fucking and they have this like real I like seeing th- shit you know like I mean? that like, too man because I, I like the bravery on both of their sides yeah and being they like hey no fuck one, you nah fuck you yeah they didn't back down it didn't get too acrimonious but Good. it was like it was like it, I just like the guy who was like what what are you mad about you got your fucking pint. Now, did you... <laughs> this goes along those lines. Did you have it where when you grew up, the friends you grew up with, mm-hmm. say you guys got into a big thing, the next day, were you guys cool? Did you grow up with those type of dudes? Uh, well, here's the thing about me. I'm like, I'm like emotional. I'm, I, I'm very like, I'm, I'm very sensitive. And it sounds good, but I am really. So I'm like, glad I'm giving you alcohol. Then. <laughs> Jesus, no, but I am. I am. I, I'm not. I'm not that guy. And it's something that like my dad had to kind of teach me, and my and my brother. You know, my brother, my older brother, my my dad had to kind of like, you know, and my sister too. They all had to kind of teach me that like not every argument. Your sister had to teach you to toughen up. Yeah, one hundred percent. Funny. If you know Irish women, you know that's probably an easy task for her. <laughs> yeah, no, she did. Well, she the greatest line that I think of every every day. I get kind of upset or anxious about something. She goes, she would always say, just literally, and he, I, I don't mean this in a, a in a just a, a sane kind of way. She goes, literally think, what is the worst that can happen from whatever you're upset about? And if you really think about it, it's probably not that bad. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's, I would get, I would get into arguments with people and I'd get upset and I'd be like, I think someone hates me and all the rest of it. And then my dad and my brother, and so it's like, you know, they kind of had to be like, look, it's just, it's like, just fucking leave it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's like, and I worked for a guy once, worked for a Jewish guy once, and he had a great, you know, Why does he got to be Jewish? Huh? Why does he got to be Jewish? Because <laughs> he's Jewish. Be- I think, I don't know, because I think there was something in the way he said this particular thing, that something about his accent imbued it with wisdom. <laughs> but he said, he was, no, he's a young, uh, like, Jewish guy from London. And um, he, you know, I was upset about something at work. And he, go, he goes, this is what my dad always used to say if, he's mad, if you're mad at someone. He said, is he paying you rent? I'd be like, what? I was like, the guy you're mad at, is he paying you rent? I was like, no. He says, well, then why are you letting him live in your head? Damn. <laughs> I like that Isn't one. Isn't that good? That's a very That's good great. one. Like, but it definitely had to be talked down from like being worried and upset about stuff. I'm going to use that one. Mm. I'm going to apply that to some things. I was thinking of another one because I was driving down Belmont on the way over here. A good expression. I saw a guy skateboarding. It made me think of this expression that my buddy uh, Mick Bettencourt had told me. He said, uh, he, I mean, he didn't invent it, but he had heard it and liked it. It's, uh, it was a dude skateboarding. It's like, you didn't stop skateboarding because you got old. You got old because you stopped skateboarding. <laughs> and it made me think of like, that's a good way to apply things to life mm-hmm. where you could still be young at heart, you know? And I like the idea of like, don't let, you know, control your world. Don't let this guy get into your head. Right, that's right, great. exactly. I'm a big yeah. fan of that one. It's good, right? Is he paying you rent? Why are you living in your head? I like that, dude. <laughs> Whoever said that, did they walk away immediately? They should have just been like, fucking. He kind of did, actually. He kind of did. Gotta. You got to have some swagger on that line. But we didn't have a big office, so like, I could still you see You could still him. be like, why'd you go over there? I'm still right here. We could still. Yeah, are you, like going to the cop here? Why are you going over there? Yeah, that's great, man. Um, all right, here's what I want to talk to you about because we both are big fans of Galway Bay Pub. Yeah. Uh, not just because Nolan is a, a beautiful man and a character. <laughs> He's a great dude. Um, but we have great conversations there. I actually want to touch on this from the last one. Uh, we're going to keep this podcast a little bit tighter this week. Um, 
on last week's podcast, I talked music with uh, uh, Xavier Mott and Kyle Scanlon, which is something you and I had talked about just a couple yeah. days before at Galway Bay Pub. And I realized as I was listening to the playback, because I like to do a little homework because I care about the podcast, I, I meant to... Kyle, they almost understood me. Where I talked about how this is a bad time for music is what I meant, is what I said. And Kyle's like, "There's tons of great music out there," and he's right. I there are there are albums that have come out in the last two years that I have and and listen to a lot that I or think are fantastic. There every year there's good music, mm. but what I w- should have said was I feel like this is not a good era in music, which is a difference. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. you could look back and say like, "Oh, the late '80s with hair metal and there was cheesy pop and that wasn't great." But there were still fantastic albums that came right. out. You know what I mean? Like the Pixies, uh, Surferosa yes. came out in 1988 or whatever. Yep. And that was a fantastic album. And then in 89, uh, Nine Snails Pretty Hate Machine, I think, mm-hmm. came out. And, and Nirvana's Bleach. And so obviously there's always going to be good pieces of music. And there was even good pop in the late Like So I just think as eras. Yeah. And what I was trying to convey, and you, don't, you and I don't have to get into that, but I remember you being like a big saying the 70s, look how great the 70s was, we even think about the 70s. What I was, so the, the particular sort of barroom question I was posting was, you know, year to year, strictly decade, I was saying, what's the best decade for music, but you can't go, you know, 64 to 74. Yeah, because, well, that's an era, but decade, yeah, you're going I'm with. saying straight decade, you know, from zero to zero to nine or zero to zero, however you want to do it. And I was saying my argument is for the 70s just because I think the 70s is the most variegated. It's got everything. It's got, you know, psychedelic pop. It's got punk. It's disco got, was basically dance. It's got disco. It's got It's got rap. great punk albums. The Stooges, the yeah. Raw Power. Oh, my God. You it's know? got early rap. I think I think Rapper's Delight is like 78, maybe. Yeah, yeah people uh, like definitely say that came about in the late 70s. And then uh, and then Electronic, you know, Kraftwerk is like 78. And then it's, and then like, and also, you know, the birth of giant stadium rock, you know, like Queen and stuff like that. I think oh, yeah. there's just so much um, going on. And I do, th- like... Now, this is going to sound a weird argument, but like Virgin Records started in, in, I think, in about 77. And that was Richard Branson. Um, Richard, do you know how Virgin Records started? Or Virgin, I, don't know how, I don't know how it started. I know everyone knows Richard Branson is the guy who wants to take a blimp around the world every other day. But yeah, yeah he's great. So he's a billionaire. Oh, now. totally. He's and super all he rich. did they was. Virgin Television, he could buy a commas he owns, and he yeah. has a lot of different. He's diversified his portfolio. All he did was. He figured out a way to ship records from the States to England cheaper. He figured out a way, and then he would resell, he would sell imports, imported records. He would find the good American music that people were into, and he would start selling them cheaper. That's all. That's all he. So he basically, when you would go to like, there's a there's a record store on the edge of Chicago called Rolling Stone, and it's it's a cool record store, Mm -hmm. and. They were, I remember getting like imports. I remember when I was like, like in the, I, had right. a, I had a heyday in the 90s when I was mm-hmm. really like from, from like 12 to 14 where I was buying tons of CDs. Right. And I loved digging deep into a band's going like, oh, this is, them, this is like, you know, this band live in Japan over here. And it was, they, were, they had a section of imports. Yeah. So that was like a big, he was part of that. Yeah, so he, I Damn. think he basically, because they would wait until like the British arm of the record company would re release, you know, whatever. And sometimes a band would release a promotional single for like a leg of their tour yeah, and yeah. stuff. But so you could only get that. it in like, yeah. you only get that in Australia for when that band went to Australia. You could only get it in Japan when they went to Japan. Yeah. Right, right so cool. I think that, like, so that too, I, the only reason I bring that up is because this whole 
idea of like almost indie music and indie labels, that kind of thing. I think was is very seventies too. You, you know? So 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 that's another point for the seventies when you bring them up as a decade. And I'm glad you're bringing this up because I don't. I notoriously talk about how much I like the nineties. <laughs> Granted, I was a kid in the nineties, and but I never felt like it was for. I don't think. By the way, I don't think this, a lot of people like the dog nostalgia. I don't think nostalgia is a bad thing per, per se. Um, I don't think of you as a nostalgic, nostalgialistic person <laughs> at all. So for when you just I, my point in the last podcast that I was trying to really emphasize was that with sports, with although sports, you could argue the athletes are always going to get better mm-hmm. because just that's how human beings work. We get more evolved. And, yeah. and, and I also, you could throw in technology. I don't even like comparing athletes from different eras because basketball players in the freaking seventies were wearing converse all-stars, right. which we, we know freaking uh, heroin addicts wear on the street. And like, <laughs> it's like, a, I didn't want to say hipster because I always use that as a reference, but it's not an athletic shoe, Mm-mm. but that was the most athletic shoe at the time. And guys, right. they are wearing these gym shoes that scientists put, you know, effort right. into. So it's, a, and, and knee surgeries are different. There's a great runner for the Chicago Bears, Gail Sayers, messed up his knee. If he had that same injury today, he'd be back in four weeks. It ended his career back then because they didn't have like technology to just do a scope, you right. know? Um, but I was saying that just because I think music today isn't as good as it was, say, 15 years ago. That does not mean I don't think music's going to be better. Music could very well be better 15 years from now. Right. Same with movies. There's there's certain decades where you look back on that was a great decade for yeah. movies. Yeah. This decade, not so much. This decade currently, like I think the decade we're living right now is the best for television. Television, right. I think, is at its all time best. Right. Right. So because I have that viewpoint, I think my viewpoint that I like things be- music better in the 90s is valid. And obviously, it's all fucking subjective and it's all based on taste. But I think right now as an era with what's going on in the world, I think music should be way better. But there's something about it. I don't know what's holding back rock and roll specifically. I think <laughs> rap has got some good stuff with Kendrick Lamar and Chance and some people like that. But I think rock and roll right now is in a shitty place. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I, I am right. Thanks. All right, we can bounce off the next topic. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I... I know I hit you with a lot of shit just then. Yeah, I get what you're saying. I will say this, by the way, from our last conversation. I, I You know... I saw something on Twitter and I, I felt an emotion that I didn't think I'd ever feel, but I'm kind of coming around on Liam Gallagher a little bit. I like Liam, dude. I'm coming around him a little bit. I'll I've admit been like him for the longest time, but he I, doesn't have the best voice, but he's got a rock and roll voice. I, the voice is still up for debate. Well, because like Bob Dylan didn't have a good voice, but it fits <laughs> the music and he's got like. Him as a guy. It's, it's kind of amazing where we're in a position now where Liam seems really cool and Noel seems like a bit of a dick. Noel is a dick. <laughs> no, and now look, Noel's super talented and all that, but I, you know, I talk about consistency, and I, I get what you were saying earlier. You don't look for consistency because right. people evolve and all that. Yeah. But and I and I want people to evolve. If if someone has a horrible opinion and then they change it, I'm not gonna be like, well, you're inconsistent. My point is, if you're gonna use like something like the Bible for being against something. But then letting other issues slide, yeah, 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 that's sure, inconsistency sure. Right, I don't right. like. That kind right. of thing. Noel Gallagher originally said when, when the song Live Forever, which is an amazing song, the lyric is, um, maybe I don't really want to know. Right. But, you know. And I guess when they were first rehearsing the song, Liam said, wouldn't it be better if it was Baby, I don't really want to know? Because then you're singing to someone specifically. And Noel said, you'll never hear me fucking write a song with the word baby in it. <laughs> and you know, we talked about baby earlier with yeah. CD Baby. And it's, it is an overused word, especially in music. Especially in music. <laughs> And I remember when I heard that story going, oh, fuck yeah, good for him. His latest album, first single, Baby is all over the fucking song. <laughs> so I'm kind of like... and Just I to wind up Liam, bro. Yeah, maybe, right? And he would do that. He absolutely would maybe do I that. Maybe I don't really want to know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
But my thing is, later, if someone calls you on it, don't be fucking a dick. Come yeah. Be like, yeah, you fucking got me. All right? I changed. I used Baby in the song because I feel like it's a better <laughs> song. Also, I was 25 back then. What the fuck did yeah, I know? Yeah. And have that sense about yourself. I will say this, just to like link the Gallagher's and the 70s real quick. If you, any listener, if you get a chance, Google, there's an article somewhere on the internet. Google Noel Gallagher talking about David Bowie lyrics. And I got to say, man, like... When Noel Gallagher is one of these guys, and I think Liam Gallagher probably is too, but I, I'm, I'm always really fascinated. Like, there are certain great musicians. They're both brutally honest, so I give them that. Yeah, but, the, but there's certain great musicians, and Noel Gallagher's one is Elvis Costello, where you're like, you're like, man, how did they, you know, they came up with some amazing records, and then you like hear them talk about music, and Springsteen is the same. They are fucking obsessed with music, and yeah. Noel Gallagher is one of these people. Um, and to to see him write and talk about David the way David Bowie wrote lyrics is was a real eye opener for me because it was it was, it was very um, insightful and, and he he made me realize something I'd never realized before. He goes he goes you don't know what any David Bowie song is about, and David Bowie songs have made you cry. You have no idea. Life on Mars isn't about there being life on Mars. <laughs> it's uh, nothing to do with that. Yeah. And people, when people sing those lyrics, they sing them as if they're singing about their grandmother dying or something. But the, you know, if you actually write those lyrics out, they're nonsensical. But there's something about he knows that the point of music is not to tell you what the song is about. It's for you. Kirk Cobain had that too. Yeah. He would always go, what does this mean? He goes, what do you think it means? Yeah. It's I'm more interested to, in what you interpret. Right. You bring yeah. it. And, and the way Gallagher, the way Gallagher wrote about um, boys, like really, really, I, I always love seeing, you know, people who. No, I like Noel's opinion. I, I like, I like the way he talks about music. I like anybody and anything they do talking about things with great passion right i mentioned earlier in the podcast and, and we'll round it out with this where you gave me a great compliment saying that i churn out a lot of new material and all that and i had that work ethic uh it's when i get excited about it, i i do have this like obsession right where to me especially i wanted to get to headliner as quickly like i just was so I'm like how do i do that i want to i want to i got to keep writing i keep pushing it and all that and and maybe that's not even the best path though because there are a lot of comedians who are way more successful than me who don't have a quarter of the material I have, but their material they could do on TV. But yeah. then again, I think I don't give a shit. If that my, my, if this, I, when I write a joke, I don't think, is this friendly enough for TBS? I don't no. care. I think, how is the audience going to take this in? And so when I hear Noel Gallagher talking about music, I think it's great. I don't like a lot. He definitely does have a, a smugness to him. I love his honesty. He talked about um, the band... Uh, I'm blank on Radiohead. Yeah, and he was like, "Yeah, I give them a chance, and I don't like it." We went to go see them. We were at a festival. They were on the festival bill. We went over to check them out. After about five minutes, we're like, "You know what? Fuck this." Okay, <laughs> we're party people. I want music that makes my put my fist in the yeah. air. I don't want shit. Where it's like, "Oh, I don't think about it that way." Like you know, and I go, "All right, I respect that opinion." Right. And and it's okay for people who go, "No, I want that." That makes me go, "Ooh, what is this right. about?" Of it makes course, me question everything. Yeah. That's fine too. Yeah. I personally gravitate towards Noel's way of thinking. Yeah. Right. Because I, I want music that to be more uplifting. Tunes, Let's get yeah, and, and he talks dance. about how they were writing stuff that, um, as much as Noel, Noel even said that he did like a lot of some of the, he liked a good amount of the grunge stuff, but he thought everyone's writing stuff that's depressing and about right. teenage angst and sadness, you know, when they came about in the 90s. They wanted to write stuff that. Cigarettes and alcohol. A song like Cigarettes and Alcohol that he totally ripped off the. Uh, 
the actual music from T-Rex. Oh, sure. Such a T-Rex song. <laughs> but that's what kills me about Noel. So he'll, he'll fucking later joke, and when someone asks him about it, he goes, yeah. And then he gives a little wink. Yeah, it's a little similar. And he knows it. <laughs> yeah. And then he'll later give Liam shit for using co-writers, where it's like, oh, well, he could just steal songs like you did, Hot Shot. Like, yeah. like Liam's album, his solo, which I think is really awesome. I remember a big fan of it. Noel's latest one I did not like a lot. I didn't really like it all. A couple High tracks were cool. Birds, whatever. You know, he's got three solo albums out. The latest one I wasn't a big fan of. Um, the two before that I thought were really good, though. Liam wrote eight of the 15 songs by himself where he's the sole writer. Right, right. The others were co-written, and then two were just written by two other people. And I go, you know what? That's fine. He likes to collaborate. Liam's always said, I'm not a songwriter. And, yeah. and I almost want Liam to come out and be like, you know what? I started the band... All right, I was in the band. We joined like Noel was yeah. originally an Oasis. Yeah, Liam Noel was was a roadie for the uh, for a band called Inspiral Carpets. Yep, and got like fired for something and not being approachable. That's what he says, <laughs> which makes sense if you've ever heard him talk. He's a dick. And then Liam said, "Hey, come jam with us." First, they asked, "Hey, you want to be our manager?" Then he said, "Come jam with us," because Liam knew he wrote songs. Yeah, as the younger brother knew, he was always penning shit down. Yeah. And they were only a band for a few months. Noel came in and was like, "I'm going to be the songwriter," and they're yeah. like, "Yeah, great." That's fine. We want you to be the songwriter. So then for Noel to later be like, you wouldn't be fucking shit without me. It's yeah. like, well, listen, Dick, if you never joined, maybe me and Bonehead, who was the, the bass yeah. player or the other guitarist, maybe we would have developed that songwriting muscle and right. gotten good. We were only a band. It's not like we were, you, you, they make it seem like, oh, they were struggling and they were shit. They were a band for two months before you were joined. They, like, so in the 90s, were they a thing? How quickly did they become a thing? Because like, I don't know. Honestly, I was I, their first album didn't do shit in America. So, Definitely Maybe, which is all Liam singing, which is their best album. So, <laughs> yes. Yeah, so in, I was in uh, university in England, in Sheffield in England. So now Sheffield's about, it's just down the road from Manchester. About, I, I, know, I, know, we, I know we gotta go. Yeah. It's about 30 miles away. Sorry. But so, you know, everyone's kind of got that northern pride about them. There hasn't been a big northern band like that, you know what I mean, in a while. And honestly, you walk down the dorm of any college in the north, and everyone was, that's why I didn't like them. Because I couldn't fucking escape. Definitely, maybe. I got you. For, for I'm telling you, for a you year. You weren't feeling super sonic, you would, huh? <laughs> you would. It was yeah. It was too sonic. Yeah. You would honestly. You know, like a dorm. Like everyone's a dorm wearing hall. parkas. You, yeah, exactly. And everyone's doing that fucking walk. They're doing the that Liam fucking walk. Old, fucking having it, man. It's and a, so yeah. you'd walk down. You're mad for it. Corridor, and every dorm room would be open and they're all playing a different maybe yeah. fucking different they track. definitely love the word maybe <laughs> it's used constantly the word sunshine is used sunshine. constantly sunshine that's why I do love Liam's voice because there's a uniqueness about drive it drive me up the fucking wall it doesn't matter if it's in tune or not they right. drove me towards Blair that's their fault I, I get that I get, and that's another part of being the, the fucking contrarians we all are in our hearts as comedians but Adam thank you so much for being on the podcast I want to have you on again maybe in a month or two yeah. uh, I know you're a busy man because I, I definitely wanted to dive into um, the pub culture that I think you and I both really love. Yeah, yeah. Um, especially in reference to a bar like Galway Bay Pub. So maybe we'll maybe we'll do one live there, and we could talk about um, Irish culture in particular. Because I'm a big fan. I, I, you know, if I'm with Irish people, I go, "Hey, I'm an American." <laughs> yeah, Obviously, if I'm with other Americans, we all call each other. You know, oh, you're a Mick, you're a Dago, right, you're a Polak. Right. You know, we have fun with it like that. But uh, as an American, I've always been a big fan of Irish culture. Something about the the storytelling, the drinking. Yeah. The, the, there's a liveliness to it. There's a, there's a shit talking that I'm a big fan of. A little bit of arrogance mixed in there as well. <laughs> uh, and so I would love to dive into that with you as well. And we'll get another guest so you and I could actually recreate the real pub atmosphere of three <laughs> lunatics talking over each other. That sounds so good. So we'll definitely do that. Um, Adam, where could they find you? What's your Twitter? 
Oh, A-T-P-B-U-R-K-E. That's that's on Twitter and Facebook. I'll tag you in the post for the podcast so people can find him there. Uh, Adam performs all over Chicago, all over the country. Definitely check him out. Uh, And everyone, hey, thanks for listening. If you write us a review on iTunes, it goes a long way. This has been Kilgallen's Pub. Cheers.